You're listening to the Next Generation Gym Owners People and Profits Podcast, where we focus on taking your passion and turning it into your profits. Join us for interviews with business experts, industry influencers, and more. Let's get to it. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Next Generation People and Profits Podcast. Today's podcast is about retaining your staff. And I have to apologize before we get started. This is something that came up as I was driving uh, from camp uh, into town to buy some things. And it, it popped up in my mind as something I wanted to talk about. And so I just, I connected to my notes and I just started recording. So the audio quality is not what I would normally want to give you. Um, but I feel like I have some really good content in here. I think there's some really good uh, tips, my top three tips for retaining your staff. So I I still wanna use it. I apologize that it's gonna be a little bit loud in the background because I'm driving and I'm using an AirPod. So it is, it's not gonna sound as crystal clear as it does right now, but I think it's a great episode. So I hope you enjoy it. Uh, give it a listen, give it a like, thank you, and we'll catch you on the next episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Next Generation People and Profits podcast. I'm your host, Dan Cotton, and today we are talking about my top three tips for making your employees feel appreciated. Uh, This is an episode where we're going to be really diving into some things that you can do right now, tomorrow, in your business to help your employees that you value stay longer. Uh, that is number one of the biggest complaints we hear from our clients is it's hard to find good employees and or it's hard to keep those good employees. And so we're going to be talking about that keeping that retention. Uh, before we get into it, if you haven't yet, uh, go like the NG Cheer and Gymnastics Facebook group. That is where we put out more content just like this to help you grow your business and head over to our website. Uh, nextgenowners.com. Check out all of our content. Join the academy if you're interested in getting some of our direct coaching. And we hope you do those things right now. Last thing I would ask of you is please subscribe. Please review the podcast if you think it's a great one. Leave us a five-star review and share this with a friend, a business owner who you think could get something great out of the lessons we're talking about in this podcast. So when we talk about employee, uh, making our employees feel valued. Such an important subject. And there are tons of different ways we can do it. Uh, But at the end of the day, it is just like a client. It's much easier to retain a great employee than it is to find, hire, and train a great employee. There's a lot more effort, a lot more investment that goes into creating a great employee than the effort into keeping a great employee. Um, It's just much easier to keep one than it is to retrain one. So we wanna make sure that we are doing those things that are going to help keep our employees longer and help keep them happier. So that's what we are talking about. So my three tips, and I'm gonna break each one down for you, is number one, pay them fairly. That's a simple one. We're gonna go over it in some detail. Number two, is praise often and discipline or or consequence rarely. Praise often, negative uh, conversations as rare as you can make them. And number three is going to be uh, make sure that they have the opportunity to grow right? Room for growth. 
um, and understanding what their direction in your company could be. All right. So I, I say all this because it is, it's like I said, it's a, it's a frequent issue with our clients that they bring up. They talk about the fact that they can't find good staff or one of their staff members just left because X, Y, and Z happened, or maybe they got hired by the, the program down the street, the gym down the street. And that may sometimes be a good thing to, you know, get rid of an employee who maybe wasn't the best, but it, it stings when that person was an important part of your business and they were a vital uh, portion of it. it. It stings a lot more to lose that employee. And it can oftentimes feel very uh, desperate to how are you going to replace that person, especially if they are uniquely talented and uniquely skilled. So the, the thing we do is we retain those people and we retain them by making them feel valued, uh, making them feel important and, and making sure they understand their value. Well, number one, the first thing you need to look at is what are you paying your employees? What are you paying your coaches or what are you paying your front desk people? Because you speak with your dollar. As a business owner, what you pay people shows them how much you value their time and their investment in your company. And I get that there is absolutely a desire because we all don't pay ourselves enough as gym owners, which is something you need to correct. But we go, well, I only make X, Y, and Z. And so I'm not going to pay that employee a, B, and C because it's too much money. Like they're going to make more than me and they shouldn't be making more than you, which is true. They should not be making more than you as the owner. So we pay them minimum wage and depending on where you're at. So I'm in Oregon, right? And the state of Oregon has a very generous minimum, minimum wage where I'm at. So we're at about $15 an hour now, uh, for minimum wage. And that is moderately high uh, when you think about a minimum wage, uh, but that is what I'm now competing against. So my employees can go get a job flipping burgers and they can make the same amount of money. Now, are they going to feel as rewarded and as fulfilled and are they going to get to have as much fun? No, absolutely not. But they can make that money doing other things. So we oftentimes look at starting people at minimum wage, but we also have to factor in the fact that we're not starting people on a minimum wage full-time job, which your coaches would probably be grateful to make that amount of money if they're making minimum wage. Because like, if I were to pay my employees for a full-time job and they were making minimum wage in Oregon, so they're working 40 hours a week and they're making $15 an hour, they would be making $600 a week. And that would equal out like four weeks in a month. Then they're making $2,400 a month. Now, most cheer coaches aren't making $2,400 a month. Now, they're also not working 40 hours a week. So there's obviously a trade-off there. But if I am paying my employees $15 an hour, and then I'm only scheduling them for 10 hours a week, well, that's 150 bucks a week. 
and by the time you get your paycheck at the end of the month, and then you're doing things right because you're a smart business owner and you're withholding federal taxes and you're withholding social security and you're withholding all those things that you should be doing for your employees so they don't get hosed by the federal government later and you're paying them as employees and not 1099. If you haven't listened to that podcast, you should go listen to the podcast I did a while ago with Danielle talking about the difference between W-2 and 1099 or basically just employee versus independent contractor if you're listening outside the United States. So... If they do all that and they make $150 a week in four weeks, then what? They make 500 something bucks a month, 600 bucks a month. And then after they take out taxes, now they're really getting like 500 bucks, maybe $450. And that can start to feel kind of crummy. Uh, that's not something that people who are professionals are going to continue to do. I would not do a job that took a significant amount of my time and investment um, and get paid $450 a month. I just wouldn't do it. So you need to look at your pay rate and you need to look at what is it saying to your employees. Now, I'm not going to get into the concept of private lessons. That's a whole nother, like, that's a whole nother podcast. That's actually a course that we teach. Um, I'm not going to get deep into that, but private lessons are not the offset for not paying your employees a lot of money. Uh, for their or paying your employees commensurate to their worth uh, in their salary in their payroll private lessons are not the solution for that because you are going to create a myriad of problems for yourself by using private lessons as a substitute uh, to allow them to make a bunch of money and not have it go to the gym so I don't want to go into a ton of detail on that because again it's a whole nother thing but just that's not the solution the solution is pay people commensurate to their value within your business. And obviously you need to factor in, okay, they're working X amount of hours. But you also look at, okay, but what would happen if they weren't working that X amount of hours? How much would that harm me as a business owner? And that tells you kind of how much they're worth to you, right? I'm willing to spend this money. And when it comes to payroll, you, it can get out of control really fast. And it is absolutely something that you need to keep your finger on and you need to be aware of. We are always reevaluating payroll. Um, every year we go back and we're looking at our programs and we're looking at the most profitable programs and we're looking at, uh, you know, where are we seeing the highest turnover in programs and where are our highest paid coaches and what's our highest expenses? Like we look at all those different things to help make decisions. And what was funny was this year we looked at that and we looked at it for our all-star program and it started out with the intention of decreasing cost, decreasing staff cost. Because what we had done during COVID is we put three coaches on every team, no matter what. Well, when you started to do the math, like three coaches on every team, no matter what, without factoring in competitions, that was around, you know, there's seven hours a week, minimum wage. So they were making around $425 a month, something close to that um, before taxes. So they were taking home around 350 each month to coach a team. Well, three coaches times 350. And we started doing that math and doing the math on the tuition. And what we found was one, three coaches, there generally was one coach who was more committed than the others. And on super small teams, we were we were not being as financially smart as we should. And we were essentially losing money in tuition that we shouldn't be paying and was completely unnecessary. And what we were able to do is look at our budget and go, you know what? Instead of having three coaches 
who are each getting $350 a month, we could save money, we could cut one of those coaches out and just not re-add them to a team of a certain size because it doesn't warrant it. And then we could, instead of paying two coaches, pay one head coach who's very invested $700 a month to coach this team. And now we've, yes, we've given them more work technically because they're now solo, but we're paying them significantly more and they feel more valued. And I can tell you that the response from our coaches has been phenomenal. They are very, very grateful for that opportunity to earn more money and be more invested and be rewarded for their investment because the people we put into head coaches were people who had shown that work ethic and they're getting rewarded and they're being told how much they're valued, what they're bringing to the program because they're being paid a somewhat of a fair wage where now I could coach you know, two all-star teams, get paid $700 each team and can make 1400 bucks a month uh, just coaching two teams and, and working you know, around 14 hours a week. So I'm starting to get closer to making some decent money. And our coaches really, really appreciate it. And they feel valued because of that. Now I could go into way more detail of the way I, I pay different people. I do the same thing when it comes to my camp instructors. I want my camp instructors because I bring in literally the best people for dream camps. Like I bring in the best instructors that I can possibly get. Now they're not always the most winningest instructors because sometimes being a great coach doesn't mean you're a great camp instructor. So I bring in the best possible people I can get out that are available. And how do I get those best possible people to be out and available? Because some of these people are big names. I get them out because I make sure that they know how much I value them in every step of the way. And number one is in paycheck. I pay my camp instructors very well. I pride myself on paying probably better than any other camp company in the United States. So I pay my instructors very well. I also am loyal to them when it comes to their pay. So if I schedule instructors, I what I do is I will schedule a group and I'll schedule these people to work. And if and when something changes in the numbers of teams coming, right? Because teams will register and then they'll go, oh, we had a bad tryout. So we were going to bring 40, but now we're bringing 20. Uh, and that changes the numbers or a team bails because the coach quits or the district doesn't allow them to go or any one of those things occur. Then what I could do and what you could say is a smarter business decision is I could save money and I could cancel instructors. I could say, hey, don't need you. I know I said I wanted you to come out, but I don't need you. So I'm going to bring you out in a week and cancel them and, and mess with their schedule. I refuse to do that. I, I do not do that because I want people to know and be willing to block out large portions of time to come work for me because they know that I'm going to follow through on my end of the bargain. And so therefore, they're going to reserve time for me because they're going to be well taken care of, they're going to be well compensated, and they're going to be treated like their time is valuable and not jerked around and canceled and added on and things adjusted. So it's one of the things I do there as well. I feel like I went down a rabbit trail on that, but just kind of a general point. All right, so that was number one. Number two is praise often and uh, critique and have the negativity as little as you possibly can. So 
this is obviously can be challenging because if you have a challenging employee who's not doing their job, you do have to give them critiques and I do want you to deal with those issues. And in fact, I should modify that statement to say, deal with issues right away. Um, praise all often, praise right away and deal with issues right away. Um, when you see something great, tell your employee. Like I'm talking literally walk up to them if they're coaching a class on a water break and you saw them do something great, walk up to them during that break and tell them what you saw that you appreciated. Like tell them right then and there, hey, I saw you connect with that kid today and they were crying. You turned it around and I, wow, great job. Thank you for doing that. Let them know. Just say thank you. Those words cost you nothing. And it can some it can mean everything to that employee because they may be sitting there thinking, I work so hard and they don't even notice me. I'm just as long as I they only notice if I don't show up for work. There's no notice of when I'm there and the good things that I'm doing. So praise often, praise often, praise often, and find ways to, for your staff to publicly praise one another so they feel that love and that connection within the confines of your walls. They should want to be there because they feel supported. And critique immediately and as infrequently as possible. So I say this to say there are certain things where you absolutely have to act right away. And if you let them fester and you go, well, I'm going to let this one slide. I'm not even going to say anything. If, you know, And you excuse it away in your brain you may be setting that employee up for future failure and now you get frustrated because they've done the same thing 13 times you've never told them or correct course corrected and then you go off on them and you go for the last 13 times you 13 days you showed up late and you haven't been in the right clothes and you kind of go off on them that's not a good thing for your your employees like that's not going to make them feel good i equate this back to when I was a kid, my dad used to drive me insane, would sit me down and he'd be like, hey, so I have a list of things you're doing wrong. And I'm like, a list? That means you've been like taking the time to write them out. Like, why didn't you just tell me when I did it wrong? And I had the same thing happen early on in a, in a job right out of college. I just needed a job and I ended up working at uh, a company that I was answering phones and I wasn't doing sales, but I was like assisting sales associates selling our products. And it was a really weird thing. Uh, and I was not good at it. Uh, and I hated it. And I did not pay attention during my training. And my training was really bad. I, I wasn't really trained on the products. I didn't know how they worked. I was just trained, this product goes with this thing. And then I sat on calls and listened to other people take calls. and. You know, it was just, it was, it was just a miserable job. And I remember vividly, there was a day where I was taking calls. I was on my own and I get an instant message. Cause that was back when we had to be logged into instant messenger the whole day from my supervisor. My supervisor says, Hey, um, you know, I've been listening to your calls and the past six calls, you've told people this thing and that's wrong. And I was furious. I was like, well, you let me, you were literally listening to me and you didn't message me and tell me, hey, uh, that's wrong. And so now I goofed up and I goofed up six times and you didn't correct that until now. And so now we've got unhappy 
you know, salespeople who are frustrated and now I look dumb and I feel dumb as opposed to if she was listening to my call, messaging me while I was on the call and saying, hey, just so you know, I'm auditing your call. That's incorrect. Tell them this. I would have learned that better. And so you want to correct right away and you want to do it as rarely as you can. So you also need to decide what are things that are stylistic differences. Meaning, if you have a way you like to do things, that doesn't mean that it is the only way. And it can be hard and it can be frustrating sometimes. I may have talked about this when I was talking about why I do the dishes, but uh, you know, I talked about why I do the dishes at camp sometimes and I get into a groove and I do the dishes a certain way and I'm pretty fast and I get it done. And one of my employees stepped in to help out, right? Like they saw me doing the dishes, so they stepped in to help out and they were doing it different than the way I did it. Like they stack the plates to the right. They need to go in the washer to the left. So I just start stacking them to the left because that makes more sense. It's more expedient, but he was doing it to the right. And I kind of made the suggestion. I was like, Hey, why do you do that? And he said, well, I do it this way because of X, Y, and Z. And I went, all right, well, that's like, I had to control myself and say, not say, well, you're doing it wrong because he's not, he's getting the job done. He's just doing it his way. So just because he's not doing it exactly the way I would do it, does that mean that it's being done completely wrong? Not necessarily. Now, do we want to have systems and do we want our employees to follow those systems? Yes, absolutely. But we don't need to micromanage them and not allow them any uh, soul and life within our company. We need to allow them to, um, to to make those adjustments and make it personal for themselves so they feel that level of trust and investment. All right, so that was number two. And then uh, number three was making sure that your employees know that they have a future in your company and that that future and your vision for them is communicated. Now, this is can be really hard in the cheer world and uh, gymnastics industries because oftentimes being a coach is kind of the pinnacle for some people. That they're not going to go many places else initially, but there are other things that they can learn to do, whether it is training them to be a director of a program someday or help like letting them know in their annual review, hey, you've done really well at these three things or you're really great at social media. I'd like to start training you to take on some of those tasks. People need to feel upward mobility within the company or else they are eventually going to leave. They're going to look for other opportunities or things that are more exciting to them are going to be what take up their time. So you have to communicate those things. And if you haven't started thinking about, okay, where does this employee go next for every one of your employees, then you're, you should, you should take the time right now to think about that and, and strategize. And maybe your answer is they're not ready to go anywhere else. This, they're in the right position for them right now. Or maybe the answer is they're in the wrong position. They're actually out of their depth and they need to be adjusted to something else. But people need to know that there is a direction for them. And people who have a plan are generally happier. So if they know, hey, the plan is my boss thinks I'll be a really great 
tumbling director in five years and they want to train me to get to that point and me taking on the camps and clinics side of things is one of the things I'm going to do to get experience and show them that I'm ready or me taking on social media and doing some of the marketing is going to show them I'm ready to do x y and z so you build that mobility and that possibility to improve into improve their situation uh, into the mix you build that in and give them that potential and you're going to have happier employees and you're going to have longer retention because there's a reason to stay. Imagine an athlete who is a competitive cheerleader or gymnast and they're at one level, uh, they're a level three and we'll just say level three for, for both cheer and gymnastics. Obviously they'd have different skill sets but they're just that. And you're like, yep, no, that's all we ever are gonna offer you. You're only gonna be level three for the rest of your life and you're 15 years old or you're 12 years old in our program and you're gonna be a level three forever. We're not ever progressing you past that. Well, people are either going to quit or go somewhere else at some point in time. Not right away, but at some point in time, they're going it's gonna get old. Like, there's nothing new, there's nothing interesting that people want to be challenged. So make sure you have that upward mobility built into your program for your clients. All right, so I love talking employees and it is honestly what we spend a lot of our time talking about with our clients. If you are in a rut and you are struggling to find employees, how to recruit, how to retain, there's a couple things you need to do. Number one, I highly recommend you get registered for our conference in Vegas. It's uh, in January. It is going to be amazing. Uh, we are going to have so much good content. We will absolutely talk hiring and employee retention at that conference. And you're going to leave with even more actionable things that you can do heading back into your gym. Uh, and so get registered for that conference. It's going to be a great time. It's going to be huge. And I just can't wait for that conference, but it's not until January. Number two would be, if you haven't joined the Academy, just go do that. Like it, there's, we're going to coach you on how to deal with all of these situations and help you through them. So join the Academy, get a coach, get some help, get someone to bounce ideas off of so you can grow as an owner and you can set your employees up for success. And lastly, I would just say read books and like learn, learn, learn how to show gratitude to your employees. So we like as we close, I just want to like re-emphasize that there is, it is so much better to retain a great employee than train a new one. It is exciting to train new ones and they come in with energy and vibrance and all of those different things. But I have hired so many new people over the years and even the great ones, there's some growing pains there. I would much rather retain my amazing people than have to train a new person to be as amazing as they were. All right, so focus on that retention of your employees. If you're not thinking about it, then you're not gonna be doing it and they're going to eventually start to trickle out. So as we end the podcast, I want you to take each of the three things that I talked about, uh, analyze your employee pay, and I want you to do that. Look at it and look at what you charge and what your profit margins in are and what you can 
reasonably afford to pay a coach based off of X, Y, and Z numbers? And is that something that you would feel valued by? If the role was on the, if the role was reversed and you were a coach, would you feel that that person values your time paying you that amount of money? And if the answer is no, and you've done the budget crunching, then the answer to that question is you need to raise your prices. If the answer is yes or no, but you could do it, then you should do it. And you should look at how to execute that effectively. And if the answer is yes, and yes, you like, yes, uh, you can do it. And yes, you're ready to do it. um, And you can support it, then do that right away. Um, And then number two, I want you to try to find an opportunity to tell each one of your employees how much you appreciate them this week. Let them know. Find something positive that they've done because I guarantee you they've done something. If they have done nothing positive in a week, you need to fire that person. If they've done absolutely nothing, you can give them an attaboy for. And now some people are like, well, I don't want to give an attaboy for just doing your job. But does it hurt? Does saying, hey, good job doing your job hurt? Like, no, it doesn't. It does not hurt at all. It's just you building them up and showing them that you appreciate them. And then number three is spend some time thinking about your employees and what their trajectory in your business can be, what you would like it to be, and how you can help them get there. All right, everyone, I hope you have enjoyed this episode of the Next Generation People and Profits podcast. If you need another podcast to listen to, make sure you head over to uh, the Let's Talk Cheer podcast by with Jason Larkins, uh, where they talk all things cheer all the time. Uh, it is a much more cheer-centric podcast than it is a business-centric podcast, but it is great. I listen to it every week. I love it. Uh, Jason is a phenomenal friend and a phenomenal leader in the industry. So check out his podcast as well. And with that, we're going to catch you on the next one. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Next Generation Gym Owners People and Profits Podcast. If you would like to be featured on our podcast, click the link in our description to apply. If you're interested in joining NextGen, visit our website at www.nextgenowners.com. And lastly, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast to make sure you don't miss any future episodes. Thanks for listening.